ASL Radio Show. Proudly brought to you by the Premier Soccer League. So, just gone 6.30 on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. If you are uh, just tuning in uh, for the PSL radio show, Sigun Jala, we started a little earlier, Sigun Gamadeli and the uh, Moneywear team, uh, little problems, it seems, with their uh, studio, but uh, bringing you a little sport a little earlier to the top of the hour. Now, time to talk uh, cricket, and I'll bring you con- uh, continued updates on the Knights and Warriors uh, match. But uh, let's talk about the international team. Bafana Bafana were playing, Proteas were playing, no Springboks playing, although the Springbok players were in action in Super Rugby in various guises, and the Springbok camp is around us. But let's talk about the Proteas, who are over in New Zealand. They're about to come to the end of their uh, international tour to New Zealand, and they want to end on a positive note. They lead the Test Series by a uh, by one to nothing, but uh, find themselves struggling just a little against the Black Caps, who enjoy a seven-run first innings lead after restricting South Africa to 314 in the first innings. But today was all about the New Zealand captain Kane Williamson. We've got uh, Johan Larue, uh, cricket correspondent, on the line. Johan, thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening to you. And, uh, a real captain's knock by Williamson, but uh, would you say? The, the, the bowlers let him and Ravel in particular get away with it, or was the batsman just really up to it today? Yeah, good evening, Dwayne. I think for one of the first times in this series, and I think one of the first times in a while uh, for New Zealand against South Africa, the openers really took control of the match, and I think that set things up perfectly for Kane Williamson, because uh, for a change, he didn't walk in with uh, New Zealand uh, 10 with 10 for 1 or 20 for 1. He came in with a bit of a platform, 83 without loss. That's when he walked to the crease uh, when when Tom Latham was dismissed after a decent 50. And he took full advantage of that. At, at one stage, I thought he was playing on a different pitch to, to the other batsman than even the South African batsman. He made things look really, really easy. And we know that he has the ability to do that. Uh, we saw him do it in Den Eden a couple of weeks ago. And a uh, typical captain's luck. Uh, he, we stepped up when his team needed it most. And he gave New Zealand an opportunity to level the series, which is outstanding if you consider the amount of time that's already been lost. But uh, at this stage, with New Zealand 3.21 for four, they've got a lead of seven runs, uh, two days remaining. Uh, they are in a, in a good position to actually win this test match and, uh, and put South Africa under pressure tomorrow, especially if they can score a quick 100 or a 650 and, and pick up some early wickets. Uh, also considering the fact that the openers for the Proteas didn't really perform in that first inning. But I think the bad news for them, and even the bad news for South Africa and for all cricket fans, is that more rain is predicted tomorrow, and a lot of rain is predicted for Wednesday as well. So I still think that this match will probably end in a draw, uh, which will be disappointing considering just uh, how good Kane Williamson is back, that I really think he deserves to, to pull off a win and, and to level the series. Okay, yeah, let's let's pretend that the weather is going to be fine and that there uh, might be some play in it. Uh, actually, before we do that, I want to talk about Mornay Morkel, uh, uh, career spanning over a decade, joining the uh, 250 Test Wicket Club. Yeah, terrific bowling from, from the big Mornay Morkel. At one stage, uh, I think towards the end of last year, people were writing him off and saying that he maybe has played his last Test. But at the age of 52, the, the tall giraffe is still uh, bowling uh, as good as any South African bowler, I think, at the moment. And just to, to join that mark, uh, the 250 mark in, in test cricket is, is absolutely phenomenal. He's got a great average as well. And I think what he brings to the team is just a lot of confidence. And he's a tall, intimidating player. Uh, and even the wicket that he picked up of Raval, you could see that the passion is still there. He gave him a nice little send-off uh, after toiling hard the entire day. And, and eventually he got one. 
to, to stick in the hands of Quinton McCock and, and Dieter Vall was out for 88. So, terrific performance by him. And, and let's hope that he can remain injury-free. Let's hope that he can go to England later this year and, and perhaps even be available for the incoming tour of, of India uh, in December and also Australia. I think he still has so much to offer to South African cricket. Johan, obviously, uh, you, you say the weather is predicted to be rather bad and is uh, set to interrupt play over the remaining two days. But what do you think South Africa will be looking to get out of this, aside from not losing this test match? Well, it was interesting for me, to, towards the end of today's play, the, the light was getting pretty bad, and the umpire walked to Fafsi Plessy, and he said, if you continue bowling your quicks, we're going to have to call it a day, and Fafsi Plessy decided to bring his spinners on, so Keshav Maharaj and JP Dimini bowled the final few overs, and that showed to me that Fafsi Plessy isn't really satisfied with a, a draw, he wants to actually win this test, and mm. he wants to climb to second on the ICC test rankings, which is very, very positive, and it's great to see a South African skipper actually do that. I think what South Africa needs to do tomorrow is obviously they need to pick up those remaining six wickets. Uh, it's not going to be easy, uh, especially because the tailenders will probably come and, and have free reign and, and probably try and smack the ball all over the park. So New Zealand will look to just add about 100 runs, but at the moment uh, the Black Caps are firmly in control. So if South Africa want to regain control, they're going to have to go very, very well tomorrow morning and pick up the, the remaining six wickets in the first session. And who knows, perhaps they could uh, quickly amass 53, 300 runs and give themselves uh, tomorrow two sessions to try and pick up the last two wickets. It's going to be tough batting conditions tomorrow. Uh, will be perfect for Keshav Maharaj to take advantage of the track that should start breaking up a little bit more even tomorrow. But yeah, as I mentioned, I, I think that's the ideal scenario for Fasted to see. Uh, I don't think that will happen. I think what will probably happen is New Zealand will declare tomorrow with the lead of 100. And uh, if, if they can pick up a few early wickets, then the Proteus could be in real trouble of, of losing the test match. Yeah, indeed, as we saw with Australia being uh, skittled for 137 by, uh, by India. I suppose that's exactly what New Zealand will be looking to do. But, uh, Johanna Ruth, thank you very much for your insights. And uh, go and enjoy day four's action. <laughs> Thanks, thanks. PSL Radio Show. Proudly brought to you by the Premier Soccer League. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, some uh, very sad news over the weekend. We were uh, met with uh, just yesterday morning, in fact. Bloemfontein Celtic's honorary life president, Dr. Petrus Muramela, had uh, passed away. It was news that was uh, released by the club Bloemfontein Celtic and... Uh, his contribution to South African football overall was uh, much through Bloemfontein Celtic as a club, and we felt it only appropriate to speak to the club. And indeed, we have the CEO of Bloemfontein Celtic, Kumbulani Kongo, on the line from Bloemfontein. Uh, Kumbulani, thanks for joining us. Uh, firstly, good evening, but uh, I'd like to express my, my heartfelt condolences to, to friends and family of Dr. Petrus Mulamela, and indeed, that includes the entire Celtic family. Thank you very much, Karen. Um Your condolences are in order. Uh, we also forward them to, to the family and uh, appreciate the opportunity that you're giving to us. Well, I mean, Dr. Mulamela and Dr. Mulamela, I mean, he, he was effectively the founder of Bloemfontein. So just give us a, a background to his contribution to, to the club, firstly. Yes, um, the, the, the club was founded in 1969 uh, by three gentlemen. Um, which was named the Dematrodisa, the other one was the De Mahata. Uh, the Dematrodisa, unfortunately, is already passed on, uh, it's only one that is left. And Dr. Mulemela came into picture uh, two years later to the club, where he was assisting the, the, the gentlemen, uh, they had challenges with their team, 
as you know, running a football is not a child's, uh, child's play. Yeah. And eventually, the long shot, uh, cut a long story short, he eventually became a standalone owner. And when he has gone by, and uh, he introduced a few things in, in football. You know, Bloforton Celtics was one of the few, or the first teams to, to, to introduce professionalism or to have professional players. Uh, full-time professional players uh, playing their trade in the, in the, in the club. And uh, he was also one of the pioneers of uh, uh, of uh, getting players outside South Africa, you know, bringing players uh, in the nearby countries. And what's interesting about his story was that he was doing his own scouting. You know, he would get a call from someone in Malawi or Soto or Zimbabwe, and then he will travel by himself. And, you know, the stories that he told me, the stories that he, the pastor, how he, he had to maneuver his way around the, the police in the stage, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, to make sure at the end of the day he gets to, to the venue where he's supposed to be and uh, watch the game and able to say, okay, this player is good to come and play in South Africa or not. So he, he played a big, big major role uh, in, in South African football. I think other clubs followed that suit. And uh, Dwayne, look, what Celtic, you see Celtic today, we all say it was because of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know he went to... Uh, in fact, I think he was the pl- uh, person who sold the club to Jimmy Augusti, uh, but but he was always involved in the club, and he had such a sense of loyalty to the club. I mean, I, I actually... Uh, I mean, I think all of us are going to remember his mop of white hair. I, um, you know, I, I went bald at I, I went bald at 18, and I was always jealous of that mop of white hair. But you know, I, I think I'll probably remember his, his loyalty to to the things that he loved. I mean, from 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 Celtic to to indeed his wife. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he was married for over 60 years, and uh, his sense of humour. He always had a delightful sense of humor when he would sit down with Trevo uh, Maniapelo and I and tell us stories about uh, about various things. But what do you remember most fondly about him? Look, um, the, you know, me personally now, I'm fortunate enough to, 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 to quite say to you, Dwight, that uh, that day I went uh, with my father, uh, at Lofoten Celtic, and I also had an opportunity to work with him. So... Yeah. Uh, kind of like knowing for quite a long time now, actually, most of my age. And uh, with, with the club, you know, mentioning the, the sale from, from him to Jimmy Agosti and from Jimmy Agosti to Nick Chavalala, and he was always been part of that. And uh, one thing that he made sure that uh, when he sold the club was uh, whatever he was selling to, that please make sure the club stays in, 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 in Bloemfontein because if you want to make that mistake, that this club could be sold outside, uh, outside uh, Bloemfontein. And uh, he was made uh, the last time president of the club. And one story that I would like to share with you is that uh, um, two years back uh, when, when his wife passed on, you know, he, he told me something, he says, look, Kumbulani, you know, Bloferton Celtic, uh, he was not sure. He, you know, at the end of the day, he loved Bloferton Celtic, but he thinks his wife loved Celtic more than him. And <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, the stories where you hear that uh, when the club loses and, 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 and the family, they don't eat. You say, my wife sometimes will cook because the club has lost. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my wife will shout at me why the club has lost. <laughs> and even, even in his old age, you know, 
the wife was still complaining about the class. So why is this happening? And and Peter Mulemela was 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 not a shy person. He he the following day he he would get up in his car and drive to the office and he wanted me to meet him and he would have to account and and and, and be and answer all his questions. And at the end of the day, uh, he'll come in serious. But we'll, we'll leave that office, we'll leave that office laughing because of his sense of humor. Yeah. And <laughs> the stories that he'll tell us, and the most important thing out of all the things, he, he, was, he was motivating us not, not, to, not to give up on, on the challenges that we are facing. And because remember, he, he's done it before, he has, has run uh, the race before. So the most important thing was not to, not to give up, and that's what his message to us. And uh, he'll walk into those offices, and definitely you, you, we have lost a leader, we have lost a mentor, we have lost a motivator. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to SFM. We're paying tribute to the Bloemfontein Celtics Honorary Life President, Dr. Petrus Mulamelo, who passed away over the weekend. We've got the Bloemfontein Celtics CEO, Kumbulani Kongo, on the line. Uh, but, uh, Kumbulani, y- your next home match is, uh, is the Nedbank Cup title, if I'm not mistaken, against Mumela United. Uh, it's going to be played at your refurbished stadium that you named after Dr. Mulamelo, Dr. Mulamelo Stadium. W- will you be doing any- anything commemorative on the day? Are there plans underfoot to perhaps uh, pay an extra tribute on that day? Uh, look, we, as we speak today, which was a busy day for us, uh, remember everything that needs to be done uh, for his uh, uh, commemoration, we need to run it through the family. Uh, firstly, we still need to, we still need to send the notice to, to the league uh, tomorrow, uh, containing the, the funeral arrangements, the memorial services, so all that will be, will be sent tomorrow. And, uh, as well as the league will also advise and the um, moment of silence which games uh, that uh, which games should should be should be done and the and the league will also advise what can the club limits uh, what can we do in that game when we play uh, remember the, the net cup as well so yes. the permission as well that needs to be given from from the cup committee as well so those will be done after the next stage after we've announced the dates of the of the funeral and the dates of the memorial services fair enough uh, on on the playing point how, how important is it do you actually feel now to take Bloemfontein Celtic as a club to a respectable finish this season in his memory uh, definitely doing a look the most, the most crucial thing with him was that uh, the position that the club is at uh, currently, uh, it's not a happy position, and he was also worried about that, and he was emphasizing that we need to move away from that position as soon as possible because it can become very difficult to move uh, from that position. And uh, the least thing that the club can do now is to, is to win the remaining games in, in his memory, you know, and uh, especially our home games, uh, all our remaining home games. And what uh, if you farewell that we can do now? Uh, the last few games definitely we should be in his memory. Kumulani, if I could just ask you on a slightly separate note, your uh, newly appointed coach, Luke Amel, I believe has had an interdict filed against him by his uh, his former employees, of course, Bulugwane City. Uh, but do we have any indication as, uh, as to when we might see a conclusion to this and when he'll be uh, back on the bench and sitting on, on the bench for you? Uh, look, uh, this case, remember there's also precedent of this case like this before. It's not a first time case that something has happened. So on the 30th, uh, of this month, uh, which is, um, this, this coming Thursday, the TRC will be sitting with the PSL officers, uh, from, uh, from 10 o'clock. And I believe the will come out on the, on the same day. 
and then we should uh, all abide with the, the verdict, irrespective of how it goes. Uh, for for the from the club side, we're not worried that much. Uh, we are ready for those outcomes inside the negative or positive. Fair enough. Well, uh, Kumbula Nikongo, CEO of Bloemfontein Celtic, thank you very much firstly for uh, sharing your memories of uh, Ndate Mulemela and indeed uh, for uh, taking us through some of the details of his contribution not only to Bloemfontein Celtic as a club but indeed to South African football in general. Uh, wish you everything of the best for the uh, remainder of the season as well but thanks for uh, bringing us some memories of Dr Mulemela. Thank you very much, I am South Africa. Look at me now. Look how far I've come, past, present or future. The dream has never changed. Let us learn from the past to believe in the future. Let us once again stand as one, a united South Africa, a South Africa we all dreamt of, a South Africa we all deserve. So let us take a moment of silence and pay homage to those who fought for our rights. For those who sacrificed so much, we continue to stand against racism. SABC, honoring our past to better our future. Next time on Tropica Island of Treasure, the teams touch down in the Seychelles ready to dive into the competition. The first challenge sees the contestants land themselves in deep water. This is not as simple as we thought it was going to be. And some struggle to stay in the game. I'm trying to throw the beanbag into that sweat thingy. Ah, it's not getting in. I'm getting frustrated. Watch Tropica Island of Treasure Seychelles Mondays at 7.30pm on SBC3. SAFM Market Update with Money. Many young people not just supporting themselves in their first home and their first car and whatever, but also having to support back home. What is important is that one needs to be, for example, if one is supporting a family back home, whatever the case may be, you need to be able to say to them, this is how much I'm able to allocate to you guys as my family in terms of supporting you so that you can also be able to meet your financial commitments. Siban Jova, who is a financial planner at Alexander Forbes. You are listening to the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Tune in every weekday between 6 to 6.30 p.m. That's the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Understanding the markets has never been easier. PSL Radio Show. Proudly brought to you by the Premier Soccer League. SFF, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, let's talk about Bafana Bafana, who played uh, over the weekend. It was a 3-1 victory over Guinea-Bissau down in uh, a rather wet Durban. But that saw uh, South Africa extend their unbeaten run in internationals now to 16. But uh, let's talk more about Bafana Bafana. Overall, uh, appearances, some of the local players, some of the foreign players, and get the views and uh, insights of a very knowledgeable man on uh, football, all things football. John Mark, the football editor at The Citizen and uh, also responsible for Pakati. Uh, T, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good to chat to you. Good evening, Dwayne. Good to be here. Uh, let's, let's talk straight off the bat. Percy Tau. I think everybody's uh, talking about Percy Tau. First international appearance, or full international appearance, I should say. Introduced in the 65th minute, cautioned in the 67th, and a goal of the highest quality in the 69th. What did you make of his 25 minutes on the pitch? 
Well, it was certainly um, eventful and, and generally very positive. Obviously, he got booked very early on for a bit of a rash tackle. But then, I mean, you know, he did what uh, we've been shouting at Tolani Serrero to do for about 65 <laughs> minutes, and he had a shot. I mean, Serrero was twice in the first half, at least, well, one specific occasion. I mean, all he had to do was beat the goalkeeper and decided to go for a backheel pass, which I don't quite know why to this day. But um, Tao did what... Uh, yeah, did what he didn't do, buried the ball in the back of the net and uh, and got his first ever goal for Bafana. I think in his, it, there's been a bit of a debate about whether it was his debut or not because he played in those Chang right. games and there's a bit of confusion over whether they're official internationals. I think they are, but it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a um, what's the word, um, grey area, those Chang games. Yeah, there's a great deal of consternation about them actually because uh, some football journalists refuse to recognise any of the Chang games as official internationals. Uh, <laughs> but indeed they are, uh, in fact, so it would have been his third appearance, but it's okay. the first full international appearance. That said, um, a, a lot of talk about the overseas based players as well, particularly uh, Keegan Dolly, first um, time that he's come back on international duty since heading off to France. Kevin Erasmus back in the fold, Kamavela Morocho back after the whole citizenship debate. What did you make of the overseas based players? Um, well, I thought they did well. I mean, I thought Keegan Dolly did very well. Um, he, I think he was involved in two of the goals, uh, the yeah, pass for, for Tao to score and for the, and the, his pass through uh, Sensorero away for the for the first penalty. So he certainly was very involved and, and busy and bright and, and looked very, very full of uh, full of fitness. Certainly they've been clearly been doing some work with him down in in France. Um, yeah, so he looked in good shape. Uh, I was very impressed too by Mokocho. Um, I mean, there was a lot of fuss, as you said, about the citizenship issue. Um, I think the South African Football Association certainly didn't cover themselves in glory with not apparently not knowing he'd, he'd uh, renounced his South African citizenship when they first called him up. Um, perhaps some investigation should have gone on before uh, they called him up, but uh, that the, the events as they were led to a massive race, it seemed, to get him... Uh, getting back his South African nationality in time for the game and then I thought he was very good I, just like I thought he was very good in, in Mbabane when I saw him play against Swaziland in March 2015 uh, and for some reason uh, after that he got very little game time under Sheikhs Mashaba so uh, he's now back in the fold he retired obviously when Sheikhs was there because there was some sort of problem there clearly uh, but now he's back and he certainly has a, has a lovely range of passing he looks very balanced yeah. on the ball and um, clearly you know he sort of you can see he's been maybe that he's been playing in Holland because it's his game is all about keeping possession and, uh, and and he does that exceptionally well and, and some of his flicks and tricks were lovely to watch Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, Kamarela Mohojo in particular but when you, when you look at the uh, when you look at this uh, squad overall there does seem to be a genuine blend of youth and experience it's a term or a phrase that's thrown around very often without necessarily being accurate but if you look at the, uh, the quality the number of caps when you look at the ages of, uh, of, of people involved uh, it does seem there is a genuine blend of youth and experience. Do, do you think that's the case, and what's the potential of this team? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Uh, and everybody throws that around, as you say. But, yeah, there is a... There are guys, you know, they've brought in guys even from the under-20 setup, like Luther Singh and Pakomani Mahlambi, who hopefully we'll get to see uh, tomorrow night against uh, Angola. Owen Gama has promised to give them a run. They didn't get a run in the last game. And there's guys like Tao and there's Lorenzo Gordino, who's having such a good season that Kaiser Chiefs is in the squad. So, yeah, and then you've got, obviously, guys who've got a lot of caps. Timulene Kune, I think, won his 83rd capping goal there. He's been around forever, uh, and Dile Jani's been around for a long time, Dean Furman's been there and thereabouts since Gordon Iggerson was coached, um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there is a good mix, um, I, I think they still need to be tested, I mean certainly, 
you can't really say a friendly against Guinea-Bissau is, is a huge test, although Guinea-Bissau obviously were at the Africa Cup of Nations and did pretty well. Um, but you've got to really what, see the squad in competitive action, which I think the big stuff really begins in June with the with the Africa Cup of Nations qualifier in Nigeria and then continues into August and September with and October and November with the World Cup qualifiers. Then we'll really find out what this squad's made of uh, and what they can do. Uh, the other thing about this squad, Dwayne, of course, is that it's a squad selected uh, presumably by Owen de Gama and, and he's not going to select the next squad. So <laughs> it'll also be interesting to see how what the, what the new coach does uh, if and when he's named. Yeah, I don't think too many uh, people have had too many arguments, though, with the selections that have been called up by Owen Nagama, which I find pleasing, and uh, I, I think it, it suggests that there is a, a mindset that people are on the right track. Yes, there's one or two names that have been bandied about, but by and large, he's included the informed players in the league, he's included some of the younger players, um, so I think there's a good overall mix, but as you said, those back-to-back World Cup qualifiers, uh, I think they're back-to-back against Cape Verde uh, straight after, the, or a couple of months after the Nigeria game. Hugely important, and in a sense, I suppose, playing the uh, teams with uh, like Angola, like Guinea-Bissau, that have largely Portuguese-based players would be a good preparation for, for Cape Verde when you consider that they are largely Portuguese-based uh, themselves. Uh, but uh, uh, in terms of the coach, let's touch on that for a moment. The importance of getting a national team coach in place sooner rather than later when you, when you consider the, the immediacy of these qualifiers. Yeah, I mean, it is, I think it is quite important. I think he needs to obviously be, be in certainly before June. Well, hopefully it'll be announced this week. I mean, that's what <laughs> yes. Danny Jordan has said. But the South African Football Association have been saying this week, next week, next week, next week for about the last five weeks. So it gets a bit tiresome and you wonder whether you can believe them. But uh, I think soon is the latest quote I saw from Danny Jordan. So <laughs> let's wait and see. They seem to think they have their man. Um, there's obviously been a host of names from Carlos Quiroz to Irv Renard to Stuart Baxter to Rude Kroll to uh, you can you know a few other names that have been thrown in the hat as well um so we'll have to wait and see then on who they announce finally but yeah the new man will have to get his uh, feet wet uh, pretty quickly and and get down to business and uh, yeah i think uh, they they seem to have stressed that the priority being qualifying for russia 2018 almost to the extent that i sometimes think they've forgotten that they're playing nigeria in june because when they called this obviously when they picked these friendlies they said uh, yeah we we we're picking angola and guinea bissau um, um, because of Cape Verde, which is fair enough, I guess, although I'm not 100% sure how much playing another Portuguese, former Portuguese colonies makes a difference when you play, when you play Cape Verde. I don't know. I think the jury's out on that, but I also thought, have you, have you forgotten you're playing Nigeria in a, in a couple of months? Yeah. Um, cause that's also a big game. So yeah, I mean, but the coach will have to get up and running pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully he can do the business. And I think he's got a good group of players. I think, like you said, uh, Owen Degama did pick a squad that most people liked. Um, I was a bit surprised that Bongani Zungu, who's doing well yes. in the Portuguese league and playing every week for Vitoria de Guimarães, is not, was not in there, but he does have an abundance of central midfielders, and he did sort of say that you know, but he, he does keep mentioning Zungu at, at his press conferences, as well as if to say, yeah, I'm still thinking about you, Bongani, please don't worry. So I think at some point, well, he's obviously not calling up the next squad either, but uh, he certainly, he's, as, as we're saying, he certainly has picked a, a good squad and, and should 
leave the next coach in, in good hands. Yeah, I think he's done his job in terms of trying to prepare the side as best he can for, uh, for the imminent qualifiers. But let's talk about this uh, you know, run of 16 matches undefeated. How much do you read into it? I mean, when you break it down, it's, it, 10 of the matches are competitive. If you take Kasafa matches away, it's only 7 of the matches that are competitive. If you take Chan qualifiers away, it's only 6 qualifiers that are competitive. But in amongst those are you know, a couple of World Cup wins against Angola. There's a couple of Nations Cup qualifier draws against Cameroon, the victory over Senegal. Um, but then again, less than inspiring results against Mauritania and, and, and teams like that along the way as well. Yeah, I mean, I think records like that are all well and good, and you know, you can, it certainly can give put confidence within the squad. And 16 games in a row is not to be sniffed at. On one, on the one hand, on the other, you've mentioned that some of the teams they played. You've mentioned that there was the Kasafa Cup. Um, well, they did well actually because they took a largely under-23 side to that tournament and won it. So that's fair enough. But the Ch- there were the Chan games, which are weakened teams. Um, they beat Egypt and 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 I think Ghana in in, fr- in friendly matches, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, which uh, is 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 good, but you know friendly matches are friendly matches, and you can certainly and they drew with Cameroon twice, but they drew with Cameroon twice after they were basically already well, with the second game against Cameroon, they'd basically already been knocked out of the Africa Cup of Nations qualification. They basically had no chance of making it to the finals. And that's that's also a point you have to make. They didn't do the business. They didn't qualify for the yes. one major tournament they were supposed to qualify for with shakes. Uh, they qualified for 2015, but then not uh, 2017. So that's a big, I think, blot, which kind of uh, counters a bit that 16-match unbeaten run. But that said, they have not been beaten and well done to them on on that record um although it it hasn't it certainly i'm not sure it's again it it it's the best record i've ever seen that is uh, nail on the head stuff from uh, John D. Mark. Indeed, uh, the fact that we failed to qualify for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations is that enormous blot on the landscape, so to speak. But John D. Mark, uh, football editor at Citizen, thank you very much for your insights and opinions, and uh, enjoy tomorrow's football. Thanks, Dwayne. You too. Cheers. CSL Radio Show. Proudly brought to you by the Premier Soccer League. That's where we're going to leave it very quickly just to say goodbye. The Knights currently 58 for one after 13 overs. They're chasing 250 for the win in the Momentum One Day Cup qualifier in Bloemfontein. Uh, from the team tonight, producer Siobhan Chetty and me, Dwayne DeLocker. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock. Stay tuned because Naledi Muleo up after the news.